0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, uh, when the Buddha um, was uh, experienced enlightenment under the Bodhi tree, can you hear me okay? Is it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, he. Uh, after his enlightenment, he sat for six weeks under the tree to understand what had happened to him, to digest it and to understand it, maybe to put it into concepts that were communicable. And then he got up and he walked for seven more weeks to Varnasi. So he had more time to think about it. And when he got to Varnasi, he delivered his uh, first discourse, turning the wheel of the Dharma, to his five uh, ascetic friends who had a deep spiritual practice themselves. And it was said that on that first hearing of uh, this discourse on the Four Noble Truths, one of them attained stream entry. So there, there are these levels There's, uh, of insight, stream entry, a once returner, never returner, and complete, complete enlightenment. And then he gave the discourse a second time, a little later, and all of them attained stream entry. And then a little later, he gave the discourse on non-self, and all of them attained Enlightenment so there's a lot of mindfulness um, practice going around secular mindfulness everywhere it seems corporations and hospitals and schools and it's very helpful it's very helpful to get people to calm down when they see an emotion just hold the emotion rather than reacting to it it allows them to pause and to calm down but for for practice to be really liberating freeing us we need to extend mindfulness into wisdom, into insight. So what I was doing with you earlier, which, which is this just simple seeing, simple viewing of what's here, as simple as we can get it. Our, our seeing is so overlaid With concepts and self-judgments and fears and resentments and greeds and all kinds of things. So so to relax those hindrances and in some way just, just to see what's here in a simple direct way. This is called purifying view. It's the first step of insight practice. And implicit in this purified view is this sense that I was describing earlier that all there is is the knower and what is known. There's nothing else The knower can't be found outside of what is known and that's all that's happening uh, in this moment. So the Buddha in this discourse the essence of what he said he also said to his son Rahula when he wanted to help him awaken He said to Rahula, every aspect of mind and body should be seen with perfect wisdom as it is. So every aspect of our mind, of our emotions, of our thinking, of our body, should be clearly seen just as it is this is not mine this is not i this is not myself so this um this truth this characteristic of of life You know, it's, it can seep in. Um, we're all doing exactly what we should be doing. We're being mindful. And the more we practice, and the more we practice, and the more we extend our practice, not just to calm down when things get difficult, but to extend our practice through our life, you know, to... Uh, you know, when we eat, to notice how we're—you know—the food that we're eating and how we're how it's tasting, or to listening to sounds, or to sensing the color of trees, or you know, just to bringing bringing uh, mindfulness into our lives more and more, and this this this, this subtle sense that. Noticing everything's changing. And there's no self here. We might, just on a very conventional way, we might be really upset about something. And in a conventional way, we can say to ourselves, this will change. I won't feel this way in a couple of hours or I might not feel this way tomorrow. So just in a very conventional relative way we can get ease from this concept of no self and of change. But the more we practice it on a minute level of really noticing in our meditation moment by moment these particles of experience. This kind of insight gets more embedded into our wisdom. And I think you can sense how if you're um, seeing a story that's in your mind and you're seeing it clearly, and you have this sense, this isn't me, this isn't mine, this is a story that's taking place, that it might give you some liberation from that story. It might give you some freedom from that story. Or if you see a feeling, you know, you, uh, feelings are in our bodies, right? Anger, anxiety, fear, sadness, maybe sadness in the pit of our stomach, anxiety, I don't know, wherever you feel your feelings. And and you're, you're you're seeing that and you're holding that with this sense of there's no self here this isn't me, this isn't mine. Then in some way, uh, by infusing that wisdom into that event, it allows the thoughts, it allows the feelings to uh, deconstruct, to disintegrate, to, to, to kind of fall apart. in a bigger way than just calming down. I heard this powerful quote today by uh, Rinpoche, Gilgal Kensei Rinpoche, The idea of an enduring self has kept you wandering helplessly in the realm of samsara <laughs> for countless lifetimes. It is now what prevents you from liberating yourself and others from liberation this whole, so you know loosening up this sense of self can be so. You know, sincerely loosening it—not just using mindfulness to relax, but to uh, become wise. This was the idea of that discourse. He he meant it when he said that to Rahula. That you, there is no there is no myself and mere mind. So by extending our mindfulness into wisdom, into some real intuitive sense of change, some intuitive sense that there's no self here, some intuitive sense that nothing is permanent and nothing is satisfying, This intuitive sense is big. It's so much bigger, it's boundless. So much bigger than, than the hindrances, than the thoughts that are the hindrances, than the feelings that are the hindrances. And by our ta- this is taking refuge in the Buddha, taking refuge in our awareness taking refuge in our wisdom taking refuge in the Dharma because we're hearing these truths and we're 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 bringing them bringing the Dharma into our experience by doing all these things we become estranged more estranged from from our slavery to the hindrances are slavery to me, myself, and mine. So this is part of that discourse. When she finds estrangement, passion fades out. With the fading of passion, she is liberated. When she is liberated, there is knowledge that she is liberated. She understands birth is exhausted. The holy life has been lived out. What can be done is done. Of this there is no more beyond. Bodhidharma was a... uh, Great Zen Patriarch, and he brought Zen Buddhism from China to Japan. He's famous for that. He's also famous for staring at a wall for nine years in China. There are these amazing pictures of Bodhidharma staring at walls, or Uh, but a student interrupted him, and the student said, "I am suffering." can you pacify my mind? So Bodhidharma said, show me your mind and I will pacify it. The student said, I've looked for it everywhere and I can't find it. And Bodhidharma says, there, it's already pacified. So, you know, the fact that we can't find a self here, it's unidentifiable. And just the fact that it's unidentifiable relaxes our neuroses. Chogyam Trumpa said, what is reborn are neuroses. <laughs> so, may you become estranged from your neuroses.